Welcome back, everybody, to this bonus episode for Drunk Bible Study episode 144. We're going to talk about like really random stuff this time. Isaiah talked about some wild stuff. Like Isaiah was being Yahweh and talked about some wild stuff. And here we are talking about the wild stuff that Isaiah talked about. Yes, that, that that is cor- I think it. that's a correct yeah. assessment of what's going on. Okay, great. So I looked stuff up about trees. <laughs> I was looking up. I'm sorry, you looked stuff up about trees. <laughs> tree yeah, things. there were trees. Okay. So Good. in uh, yeah, in what is it? Um, Isaiah forty one nineteen. It said, "I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shitta tree." It's funny because some of these things were like. I will plant the cedar in the shit, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Good. But it's the shitta tree, the myrtle, and the oil tree, and I will set the desert, the fir tree, and the pine, and the box tree together. And we were all like, what is this oil tree? Mm-hmm. So I found out about all of the trees. I love that. So Do they apparently, all stand for something symbolic and yeah, important? Oh. This shitta tree, it's a shitta it's a real shitta tree. It's an acacia tree, okay. which yeah. is definitely a desert type tree. The myrtle is only mentioned in exilic and post-exilic writings. I don't know what that means. Exilic? And this what is, does that mean? What? I don't know. It says it's in Isaiah and Zechariah. Uh, post-exilic, like post-exile. Exilic. Yeah. Post- okay. Oh, being I see. Exiled I from, see. Yes. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and this uh, this oil tree, it says that it's an a wild olive. Okay, so it is an olive tree. Okay, yeah, apparently. Okay, that and makes the, sense. The fir tree is the cypress. Really, the cypress tree apparently. Because the fir tree is also a, a fir thing. is a real thing. Yeah, I know. so that's weird. <laughs> that is a tree I've heard of before, but apparently this yeah. is different from that. Yeah, in a box, it says the olive is distinguished. It says pine or fir, which the pitch is extracted. Yeah. Okay. Is the olive? Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. That's the olive tree or that's the fir tree? The pitch is like the resin of the tree, the sap. Yeah, exactly. So the olive is distinguished, but it means the pine or fir for which the pitch is extracted. That's what this other commentary says about it. Hmm. So one says that it is an olive tree and one says that it's a pine or fir with the pitch extracted. Huh. So we don't really know which one is the real one. So some tree yeah. that produces something that's useful to us as humans for either making things slippery or making things sticky, depending on your situation. There you go. Now, isn't that weird, though, that it's both? Isn't that weird? Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm being well, wild a, here, but it's weird I that mean, trees give us both things. It's based on the commentary, though, like which is which, I think. I'm not sure, but like these... Jace is just having a little moment right I'm now. I'm having a moment no, about trees. Fine. About trees. No, like trees... <laughs> We get things from them that make stuff sticky and also things that make stuff slippery. That's wild. Also stuff to eat. Also stuff to build our houses from. Also stuff that we can breathe. Shit, man. Trees are like it. They're important and we keep throwing them in the garbage. Well, okay. This other thing says that the oil tree is just Hebrew for a tree of oil that is producing oil. Doubtless the olive is intended here for... Whose fruit oil was obtained in abundance. 
This was a common tree in Palestine, and it was one of the most valued that grew. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. I mean, we have yeah. talked about it before, yeah. so yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So there you Gosh. go. All about the trees in the Bible. Okay. What about you two? Well, so, I have more plant oh, great. information if we want great. to just stay great. on great. that theme. Okay. Let's do it. Because, yeah, we came across this sweet cane. Sweet cane with money. Oh, yeah. And Love that. It mm. does sound like a candy cane, doesn't it? Yeah. So, of course, as often happens when looking up stuff for this bonus, the first place I landed was somebody's Christian blog. Love that. Somebody's, yeah. you know, non-expert interpretation of the Bible. Love that. Um, Good. This Good. person points out that in the book of Jeremiah is when the sweet cane is mentioned again, and it's given with more clarification that it comes from, quote, a far country, and that's pretty much all we get. Hmm. But their interpretation, it seems like a common interpretation, is that it's one of the ingredients that God instructed Moses to use in the formula for the anointing oil, which we got in Exodus. The specific verse in Exodus was, take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, Half as much, that is 250 shekels of fragrant cinnamon and 250 shekels of fragrant calamus. Mm. Now, the calamus is the sweet cane. Oh, really? Okay. So, yeah, so it's it's the calamus odoratus specifically is the plant that we're looking at. So, smelly calamus. The smelly calamus, yes. So, let me tell you all about the calamus. It is fascinating. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Um, Yeah, so it's mostly central to india central asia but also southern russia and parts of europe as well okay ultimately yes from a far country relative to where israel would be generally grows in like marshes and swamps and things like that okay now it has a billion names are you ready for all these names yeah give me yes yeah it's me in addition to the calamus it's also called the sweet flag the beewort bitter pepper root calamus root flag root glad on Myrtle flag, myrtle grass, myrtle root, myrtle sedge, pine root, sea sedge, sweet cane, sweet cinnamon, sweet grass, sweet myrtle, sweet root, sweet rush, and sweet sedge. Cool. Okay, so myrtle was mentioned separately in this it verse was. that we read in the Bible. But this is not like a myrtle tree. This is myrtle flag, myrtle grass, myrtle root, all these different things. See. Wild. Um, some other fun facts about the calamus, according to certain interpretations of my favorite transcendental poet, Walt Whitman. Oh, of course. Uh, supposedly, he used the calamus plant to represent homoerotic love. Oh. So that's fun. That's a cool plant. Now, now here's the thing. You don't want to eat it. Oh. oh. It's, it has been used as plant medicine, I do believe, uh, because it's it's an emetic. It's going to make you vomit all your insides. Mm. It's okay. Oh, so if you get poisoned, yeah, have that eat that calamus. Yeah, it. it's quite toxic, and yeah, it's gonna it's gonna make you vomit. Um, however, in addition to being used medicinally, um, it produces this aroma. Um, and so calamus essential oil is actually really highly valued huh. in itself. Huh. Um, the rhizome part of the plant, which is essentially kind of like the root part of the plant, the essences of that. Uh, is sometimes used to flavor foods or to make bitters hmm. for making cocktails. Okay. And then there's just this one line in Wikipedia that was like, it was also once used to make candy and it does not clarify. <laughs> really? But apparently <laughs> the people of the World English Bible just stuck on them and they were like, candy! Candy! Just, I love that it's like, it was once used to make candy, but everyone who ate that candy threw up and or died. So and they, they stopped, stopped doing it. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Um, but Yikes. yeah, it's it's been used medicinally in a lot of different cultures as well. Wow. So that's what I can tell you. The sweet cane. And Yahweh wants it. He wants you to bring it wow. to him. Yeah, he loves it. He's a big fan. Now, which of those uses he uses it for, mm. I don't know. It's got to mm. be for the oil, right? He loves that anointing oil. That's true. He is very into anointing. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Wow. So I ended up looking stuff about our thermal receptors in our body because we were talking about hot oh, being cold right. or cold being oh, hot. Oh, my goodness. Right. And your theory oh, yeah, that if yeah, you're yeah, set yeah. on fire, it's going to yeah. feel cold. Well, Good. yeah. Okay. So here's what I learned. Basically, uh, that these type of receptors are called thermoreceptors and they exist in mammals and reptiles and various other creatures. And essentially what it is, is there's two different receptors. I'm going to get like really nerdy for a bit here. There's two different receptors. There's hot receptors and there's cold receptors. And essentially the way receptors work in your nervous system is when they receive a certain kind of stimulus, Mm -hmm. they will secrete more of their neurotransmitter, which will then make its way to your brain and your brain will go, aha, I'm getting a message from this, you know, this neural network thing, whatever saying uh, I'm getting like more messages from them. So it must mean something. So the way these work is there are two different receptors that the warm one, as it gets warmer, it sends more messages. So your brain is like, oh, the more messages I'm getting, this means warmer is happening. Okay. And on the flip side, your cold receptors, the colder they get, the more messages they send. And so your brain gets those messages and goes, aha, it's getting colder at that part of the body. And specifically these receptors, for those of you who want to go so, so deep on this, is TRPV1 is the warm, mm. hot receptor, and TRPV8 is the cooling one. What's interesting, though, is that they only really work within the kind of like benign temperature ranges, so like cool to warm. Mm-hmm. But when you go past the hot range or past the cold range, basically they get all screwed up and don't know what's going on. That's scary. Which is why if you put your hand into like very, very cold water, it might actually feel hot for a moment before it starts to feel cold because the like big rapid change confuses it and it goes, ah, okay, these must be like hot messages. I'll send a lot of those. And but then it kind of once it adapts, then you'll get the cold messages. Huh. And then same with hot. If it's like way too hot, it'll sometimes feel cold. And then you know, same same sort of thing. Like you'll adjust to it. So when you were telling that to us, when you were telling us that, yes. you were not I was not full of shit. Full of shit. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Good. good. Okay. Oh, wow. Good. Thank you. We've established it. So, Thank you. So, yeah, because I remember years ago learning about this experiment where if you have like a pipe that has water going through it, right? So when you touch it, if hot water is going through it, it's going to feel hot. And if cold water is going through it, it's going to feel cold, right? Mm-hmm. If you have two of those going like sort of weaving around each other, one that has just warm water going through it that if you touched it when only that one was running, it'd be oh, warm. Yeah, they have this at the Exploratorium yeah. in San Francisco. And if you have yes. one that has cold water going through it, if you touch both at once, it's going to feel like burning hot to you. Like you'll yes. pull your hand off like, oh shit, I'm getting burned. But really it's just a little bit warm 
and cold at the same time tricks those receptors into going, this must be really hot. Yeah, it's really freaking. Yeah, yeah. Which is why also um, we can get that confused with the feeling of like electric shock too. Yes. Um, Where like if you're cooking something with oil and like little splashes of oil are happening, it's possible that your body might interpret those little tiny shocks of hot as cold or like I'm getting electrocuted. So it's like the fact that our receptors are just kind of all doing their best mm. to understand what's going on yeah. is pretty cool. The other fun thing I learned is that these TRPV1 and TRPV8, in addition to responding to hot and cold, because again, this is just all chemical reactions going on, right? That other chemicals can cause them to increase their output as well. Specifically, the one for hot, TRPV1, will respond to certain chemicals like capsaicin, which is in a lot of hot mm. sauces. That's right. why you, if you get that on your skin or huh. something, it'll yeah, actually it, feel hot. 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 Yeah, right? it hurts. And then similarly, TRPV8 will respond to things like menthol. So like mint, menthol. Which yeah. will make mm. it think that it's cold even though it's not. Interesting. Right. So it makes me think back to these ads from when I was a kid for Winter Fresh Gum. They had these ads. It was like... The temperature inside your mouth is a balmy 98.6 degrees, but a winter fresh mouth feels much, much cooler. And then it would go into like cool song and people snowboarding or whatever. And it's literally (laughs) true. It literally does feel cooler because it's tricking your receptors into overproducing their signals to your brain and your brain goes, aha, it's cooler. I got a cold, cold mouth. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Amazing. I hope everyone understands some... the Bible better because of this. <laughs> <laughs> All, always. Always. Oh <laughs> yes. The last thing we wanted to end with is talking about Andy Circus. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. I, What's your deal, Dedeker? I don't ha- what is your deal? Yeah. What is I the don't National have any Treasure par- Andy Circus? <laughs> National for us or for God's the gift New to mocap. <laughs> um, I don't have any prepared statements on this. I can just share my thoughts and opinions. The opinions are just my own. I love that. But I mean, people listening to this podcast may not know, but I I worked as a motion capture performer in Los Angeles for several years, mm-hmm. and it is a small industry. However, I I just yes, Andy Circus Gollum. Yes, I'll give it. I'll give him Gollum. I'll give it to yes. <laughs> And that kind of performance, that like motion capture performance that sustains an entire character for an entire film and is mostly mm-hmm. led by one actor, like, yeah, with that film, revolutionary, right? Just like blew people out of the water. He deserves all the credit yeah. for that. Totally fine with that. However, then the problem was the narrative then became like, oh my God, Andy Serkis is like the god of motion capture. So he Aww. should be cast in anything that's like motion capture related when it's like, no, Andy Serkis was just like a good actor yeah and like a good physical actor there wasn't necessarily anything about specifically motion capture where he just happened to be extra good at it and so first of all that's one part of my beef is where i'm like no he's just like a really good physical actor you could get any other really good physical actor Mm. who's Mm. maybe at least comfortable with mocap and knows a little bit of the tricks but it's not like he has this like special gift necessarily so that's one piece of it the second piece of it is that 
as he got more famous and started getting cast in more things, and especially also as we started casting just more celebrities to be in motion capture roles, mm. it became this really tricky thing because it's like, for instance, with Avatar, let's take Zoe Saldana mm-hmm. as an example, right? Zoe Saldana probably did like 10% of the motion capture oh, from her character really? in that film. You really? know, like she probably did most of her facial like performance stuff, you know, but then the rest of it was another motion capture or, or possibly several Interesting. i didn't realize that well it was a specific woman that i that i know and that i worked oh, with I but like wow. you know but also yeah possibly several people as well and same with a lot of the motion captured performers in that film is that it's a lot of work that happens behind the scenes and yeah and a lot of like the celebrity talent behind it gets all the credit mm-hmm. for what was actually someone else doing a lot of the heavy lifting and probably a lot of the actual performing but i mean i guess that's most of the entertainment industry so how much can i complain yeah really yeah i suppose you could make a similar complaint about you know action stars and their stunt doubles or something but like it's that even too. beyond just the stunts though it's beyond it's everything. It's, more, it's, it's everything. not even. Yeah. I, I can get yeah. yeah hiring someone to do a particular stunt performance, but it's beyond even that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the person who is actually mm-hmm. on set for the majority of principal photography on Avatar doing Zoe Saldana's performance was not mm-hmm. Zoe Saldana. Yeah, um, interesting. That's all. Right. That's my. That's my little beef. I'm kind of like sure Andy Serkis is great, but like whatever. You know, it's not like he nest. He you nest- just want to give credit, credit is to all the other yes. people. Yeah, who are doing this? Yes, yes. a lot yeah. of motion capture performers are just okay. like underpaid and not given credit and not well understood and not very well protected. There's also a whole mm. thing of studios holding on to motion capture data and just like reusing it without permission for. Yeah, it gets into. I was on the SAG Oof. ethics committee for motion mm. capture performers for a little while. So yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. There is there is a whole lot of in areas that are not super well covered under Mm. union laws and stuff like that. I was an extra on Iron Man 2. Oh, really? And we were there for like two weeks uh, when they were doing the Grand Prix when uh, Mickey Rourke was there and they're doing like the racing thing. I was one of the people, I was one of the like press people with a camera there. But while they had literally hundreds of us there for that, for two weeks out in the sun, they also scanned mm. all of us in 3D to use in the mm. video game version. Wow. And it's like, didn't get paid separate for get, that. Yeah, you didn't get That's a payment geez. for that, I'm sure. Yeah. Don't get a don't what get a bonus heck? every time that Yikes. game gets remastered or released. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah. That happens a lot with video game motion capture specifically. Eek. Is is it's not yeah. like when you're an actor doing a commercial where you get royalties yeah. necessarily. It's Your residuals. Like, and if they re-air that commercial, exactly. you get paid it's again. It's just like, no, we, like, got, no, your, like, you we just... got your performance the one time, and now maybe within you know the next three games that this studio Ooh. makes, we're just going to take that and we'll like we'll, we'll clip it, we'll rearrange yep. it so that maybe it's hard for you to even tell if that was your performance or not, and just use right. it. Eat. To be fair, it's yeah. been a few years. I've been out of the scene. Maybe that stuff's improved or gotten worse. Who knows? I, I'm not on top of it. If you're out there... <laughs> And you're in the mocap land and you know, let us know the goss. Yeah, Yeah, let us know the hot goss. If there's anyone else who listens to this show (laughs) who has done motion capture, I'd be very surprised. But (laughs) you never know. You never know. I love it. All righty. I love it. Yeah. You know what? The Bible pulls a diverse audience. Indeed it does. You never know who you're going to get. True that. And we love all you out there. Thank you for uh, coming and spending your time with us. And we'll see you next week on Drunk Bible Study.